And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All-Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo. Com. I'm Roger Castillo. All time is Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Art Media, Cicero, and Google Play. Follow us on Twitter at Tigers ML Report and our new Facebook page at Tigers Minor League Report. Of course, you can follow us individually, RajCast81 and Chris at Chris Brown0914. We're just going to be a kind of 45 minute kind of conversation a little bit. We, we were off last week. Not a fortuitous timing as Chris had Harrison with he had his tonsils taken out, correct? Yeah, tonsils, adenoids, and he had ear tubes put in. It was the the full ear, nose, and throat in one one <laughs> one shot. And he was not happy when he woke up from his anesthesia. Uh, I wasn't there for it, but apparently he, he ripped out his IV and started trying to throw punches at the nurses and stuff. Ooh. Which is uh, it's not what you want from your six year old. But on the other hand, like, hey, all right, way to be a fighter. Yeah, he's one of those people. He, no he, son of mine is going to be drugged and put under and, and wake up just happy with it. <laughs> Not to mention, I bet you anybody would be a bad, bad person to prank, like a sleeping one of those sleeping pranks. Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, possible. Yeah, but but yeah, you know he's he's recovering and it's uh, you know, his breath is just awful right now. But otherwise, he's uh, he's doing better. Yeah, it's good to hear. And I just we just I just took the week off and was managed to relax a little bit. But before we get to everything tonight, I just wanted to for for clarification purposes, I I like to think that doing the show for let's see. We've been doing the show for what, three years, four years now, Chris, something along those lines? I yeah, I time has lost all meaning to me. I it feels like three or four years, but yeah. um yeah, I, I remember one of the first shows we did, we discussed the draft, and that draft was for players who were just available for the Rule 5 this year. So I think that's four years. Yeah, so we've been doing this show for about four years or so, and then I've, I've been doing this show probably since 2012 in some way, shape, or form or capacity. I understand I have under 2,000 Twitter followers. It is what it is. doesn't matter. We're not... Household names. We're not doing videos. We're not doing. You just need to show a little more skin, I think. Apparently, I mean, apparently, I mean, if you want to see a, a Hispanic, a large, I'm not say a large man, but you want to see a chubby Hispanic man, by all means, I don't have a face for camera. But uh, you know, I like to think we're a little bit better than I don't know reading stuff off fan graphs or Baseball America or anything like that. Not that against anything or anybody in particular, but I just. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're a handsome man. You got a little bit of like a big pun thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's no, no, that, that's unfair. I don't mean to say. Oh, I, I know what you meant, though. You meant that you I meant, meant in the face with the beard. I, I don't mean. In, yeah, you're not nearly a big pun was like 600 pounds. You're you're you know, you're under three, I believe. So oh, yeah. Fair. No, I, I am. But no, I, I, I knew what you meant by that. I meant you meant that in a good way. And I have you know, it was just it was it was just funny to me that I heard something today that's just kind of. Maybe my head cringe a little. Well, my head not cringe, but just kind of turn up a little bit. Like, oh, that's interesting. So I like to think that we have personalities. I think we have person. I I believe we have personalities. If I if we didn't have personalities, I don't think we would have an audience. So that is correct. So I like to think that no. people you know people like people like what they like, whatever they like. I don't care. That's fine. I just thought that was yeah. No. Yeah. So, listen. We do we do the show. We mostly do the show. I think we talked about it before. We, uh oh, there's a doggy. He's going crazy. Um, yeah, we do the show for ourselves and also for hopefully to entertain and, and uh, inform people. Yeah. But it's really, again, like I said we. This is not all that different from our regular phone calls where we're not recording. We just kind of we'll talk a lot about baseball and then go off on other random topics and then, before you know, it's been. Like an hour or two, and we say, "All right, see you later." Yeah, exactly. 
So enjoy it. We like we appreciate the reviews. We appreciate all the comments and feedbacks. And we are doing the work of fan graphs in Baseball America, so you don't have to. So yep. and I don't I don't think I watch eight or nine or ten hours of baseball a week for my own personal whatever the case is. I mean, if there's sometimes I watch there's eight or nine day or eight or nine hours a day that sometimes I watch baseball. So I don't. I just heard something today that just kind of made me. Whatever you know, I mean, like it is what it is. Just you just have to sit there and yeah. I, I don't under I I don't I didn't understand that either. I, I mean, I can do the zoo or personality, or I can I can talk like this or you know whatever. But I know <laughs> it's just that. yeah, that's a bad this personality thing. I just. We've got Chris of the Stereotype back on the air. <laughs> you want me to talk like uh, Russo from, what was it, the High Heat? You want me to do that? Like, what are you, nuts? Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand. You do you do uh, good, very good Chris Russo. <laughs> so. Yeah, like we, could do, we could do Russo and Leland if you want. Like, yeah. Probably you know, the same amount of people with opinions, you know. I don't have to say it, but they, you know. Listen, uh, opinions well, are like that. Uh, yeah, everyone's got one. They're all around me. Yeah, the people are what they are. I mean, again. Just a little, a little miffed by that. And if you want to know, it's not really. It's just a stupid story. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Anyways, let's get to baseball. Let's get to inner squad action, and let's get to really. There was it was an interesting week in baseball. Here I am thinking that you're going to hear more and more stories being opt out. You saw the Cardinals close Jordan Hicks opt out, but then they come to discover he wasn't going to be ready for until September, right? Because of his elbow. Yeah, there was a setback in his uh, Tommy John recovery. So I think it's probably for the best for someone like him anyway. For just because I'm trying to remember when he went down for Tommy John. Was it like last May? Yeah, it was pretty early in the season last year. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know what? If people come back in like 12, 14, 16 months, but it's, it's they're probably not back full strength until two years later. So it'll be good for him, I think. Yeah. And let's see. Joe Smith opted out, and Michael Kopech opted out. It was that was another situation where it was like uh, he he's also coming back from Tommy John surgery, and he just didn't feel like with the three weeks of summer camp, he didn't feel like he had enough time to ramp up safely. So, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. We don't blame any of these guys for opting out, and, and it's kind of remarkable that we haven't seen anybody. As far as I know, we haven't seen anybody from the Tigers opt out. We don't know because the Tigers are pretty tight-lipped about everything, and we, we know that Daniel Norris tested positive because he announced it, but there's still a handful of other players. We've just kind of heard nothing about, and we don't know if they've opted out or I suppose they would have to report that they've opted out if you're on the 60 man roster. But uh, for now, I think they're all just on the 10 day IL. Yeah. And it was with even there's no spec. I don't want to do irresponsible speculation, but you saw the likes of Paredes, Google, Fado, uh, Travis Demerit was uh, wasn't reporting, but then they found out later was a, he had a hamstring ish, issue. So, I believe was it? I think it's July twenty first. They can go ahead and see what the I think it's July twenty or twenty first. I can't remember the exact date mm-hmm. of when they can release what they're on the on the DL four. So we'll see what happens. But you see, got so Zach Godley quickly signed. He was let go on I believe it was Monday. And then he quickly signed with Boston. So the what did you say earlier? The Godly Hall. Oh, God. oh. well, they well, they they used the space to bring up uh, Lang, Alex Lang, and, and Zach Hess. Oh, said Lang and Hess is next to Godliness. Yeah, there there is that. Yeah, that was the joke. That was the joke right there. And we had that joke. And Zach Godley, we had on the podcast last month. Really good guest. Zach and, Hess, we did. Yeah, Zach. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Zach Hess, we had on the podcast last month. So good for him. We saw him last year at West Michigan. Good, lively arm. We could tell a little bit. You even t- talked about a little bit of his experience last year at West Michigan. So that's a good arm to have. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm assuming we're not going to see him in, at the major league level a little bit. But this week, Chris was all catches. It was just Derek. It was the Derek Hill, Riley Green, just out dueling each other. And the the thing that you have to there's a I, there's three takeaways I took from last week from camp. Number one. Riley Green, you saw the opposite, the opposite field home run off Matt Manning, and we'll get to Matt Manning because you and I have some thoughts on Matt Manning. But Riley Green, they mentioned this on the because on he looks a little bigger. He gained 19 pounds of muscle. 
You can definitely see. He doesn't look at this. He looks even bigger than we saw him last year at West Michigan. T- yeah. To me, it does. Does he look bigger to you, Chris? No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think he looks bigger than he did in, in spring, even. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's he's a 19 year old, so it, it stands the reason that he's gaining some size. But yeah, I mean, he was he was a good size when we met him, but he's definitely gotten stronger uh, in his upper body, and probably you know, probably stronger in his legs too. But you can't really tell with the pants. Yeah, and. Grayson Griner, and it was something that I will give credit to Jules over at Forbes that taught. And I didn't, I didn't really occur to me until I read his article because he did a really good job of writing what was going on in camp. And then I looked at his swing today, and it's like it, it is, it is significantly different, which is why you'll probably end up holding down the the catchers, the backup position. Same thing with with Jake Rogers, who are both having a good camp. So, but getting back before I get to the catchers, it was Derek Hill. Who they're right up for today on Motor City Bengals. He's a guy that you you talked about this before, looking beyond the box score about where he's trending at. And you saw his offseason a little bit, working on his swing, trying to you can tell there's a difference in his swing. His swing playing looks like he's trying to go for more of the the home run power. Of course, you have to dismiss Erie, because Erie last year, I read this too, that they allow the most home runs per game per game in stadium. That was a stat that I'm also rarifying and looking up. That's what you do on a podcast. And (laughs) um so that in, keep that in mind, but his power numbers are still up a little bit despite the stadium influence a little bit. But you, you got to root for a guy like Derek Hill. I, I know a lot of our people on Twitter that we talk to are fans of him, and I'm a big fan of him because he does. He's overcome a lot of the injuries. The, the Tommy John surgery still blows my mind. But those two are having an outstanding camp, and I'm telling you, Chris. I mean, the, the inner squad. You have to take inner squad with a grain of salt because he's, it's. It's the Tigers first, and he's the, the Tigers to the team. I mean, it's just, it's, I hate to sound so crass, but how are you going to have to see how the data fit against another team before you can even make a conclusion? But those two are still standing out in camp. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of fodder for both optimists and pessimists, if you if you want. Like, you can say, like, Riley Green, that was an awesome opposite field home run, but Matt Manning, what a terrible pitch. Um, so I mean, it just depends on, on how you uh, how you want to frame it. But I would actually, I mean, this probably wouldn't be the case a couple of years ago. But I'm loving the inner squad just to see. Just we're getting to see more of these young guys play uh, more often. You know, and, and I wish they would do that a couple more times in spring training and regular seasons, just so we can feel like, hey, all right, some more young guys. But uh, yeah, but like it, it's tough to know until uh, they face other other competition. But yeah, you're seeing what made Derek Hill a first-round pick. Uh, the bat has never developed properly, or you know, as, as well as they had hoped. But there's still that that outside shot because of his speed and his aggressiveness and his just terrific defense in center field. That you know, you're looking at a guy who he's going to give himself more chances to to continue to hit, and he's driving the ball a bit more, like you said. So, I mean, you, you could you could hide him as like a number nine hitter who's going to hit you like 230 with uh, OBP under 300, but he's going to play defense well enough to be an average player. I mean, that's that's a potential for him there. It's probably more likely that he won't hit quite enough to be regular, but it's nice to see him out there and, and playing with the big boys and proving, like we've said for years, like he could play he could play defense in center field in Comerica right now, and, and it's true. He's just all over the place. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing too. We we look at a, a guy like Riley Green, who, by the way, did retweet you. By the way, just uh. The heads up there, Chris. Uh, right, right, the green. Guy? Yeah, you're um, oh, the I've great, been, the great catch. I've been green. Yeah, so he uh, ten thousand nine hundred views there. Congratulations, Chris. You got retweeted by a baseball player there. There was uh, I got retweeted by Jordy uh, Jordy Mercer the other day. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was funny. I put that in my uh, I put that in my article. Uh, yeah, I put that in my article because it was it was funny because the way he was like he had the embarrassed face on like oh man, but yeah, Riley Green. Congratulations, Chris. That's nice. Uh, yeah, it was, also, uh, Trevor Hover retweeted me. Uh, I believe he's with the Yankees now. Yeah, Yankees. Uh, Spencer Torkelson's team. He might. He nice. retweeted because uh, I, I had a video of Torkelson's uh, single. So, you know, I mean, it's just me hanging out, hanging out with baseball players online. No big deal. That's just what I do. Yeah, you know, because you have content and you have a personality. So that that, that goes a long way, apparently. Hey. Yeah, you, no, know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a baseball players. I think they just like me for who I am. It has nothing to do with the videos I post of their friends getting hits. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, you know, or doing interviews with them in West Michigan. Yeah. No, nothing to do with that at all, you know? 
Yeah, I'm sure Riley Green doesn't remember me, but <laughs> or the awkward uh, question uh, asked about anyway. basketball. But anyway, yeah, go no, ahead, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like you have to say Riley Green has been the talk. He was the talk of spring training, and he's kind of the talk of summer camp again. And, and, and it's funny he's doing it without like he's not hitting the cover off the ball, but he's had a couple of really timely hits, and obviously he hit that home run today. But yeah, it's it's his defense, which just continues to be so much better than we expected. And I I, I still think he's not probably not an ideal center fielder. It's one of those things where like a guy, he could play there. He can't play shortstop, but it's not ideal. Something like, I'm not saying green can play shortstop. I'm just talking about in general, like you, you get a player who, yeah, he can play shortstop, but he's better at third, something like that with green. I think he can play center, but he's going to be better in the corners, but he's just, his instincts and his reads are so strong. And you know, you, you never really know until you can get the, you know, the, the stat cast data or whatever. Right. Because a lot of times guys who are diving, uh, uh, they're doing so because they don't have the instincts or the, the quickness to get to a ball that other players wouldn't have to die for. But it sure looks like Green has the instincts and is making these really strong plays. So I'm very impressed uh, with him. Uh, he had that that bomb against Manning. He had a, a nice patient at bat against Matt Boyd before he grounded out. And then... And then you see what he has to work on. Buck Farber, Farmer carved him up, I think. He threw three straight change-ups to him, I think, and just carved him up. He missed all three of them. It's like, there you go. I mean, these are the adjustments we talk about that players need to make. It's You can have all the physical skills. You just have to adjust and learn the game. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, you ever, you've been to like a nice hotel or whatever. Where, no, no, necessarily even a nice one, but a place that'll have a pool and a hot tub, right? Yeah. You, you know, you... You're hanging out in the hot tub, and you're like, oh, I'm getting a little warm, and I can hop in that pool, and it's like an 85-degree pool, but it feels like it's 15 degrees. And it's just you got you got to adjust, and that's kind of what it is for these uh, these kids. They're the, the hottest thing on the planet when they're playing uh, kids their own age, and they come up, and they're like, ooh, it's a little tougher than I thought. But you get used to it, and, and he will. And, yeah, man, I, uh, I don't know. The more he does this, the more I feel like we could see green next year. Yeah, and that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. If you think about it, the Tigers have not had a type of young infield talent, or excuse me, infield positional talent to play this early since Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker. And that's, I mean, I, I was I was looking at I was looking at the when I was doing an article on Ramon Pena, the, the the super scout that signed a lot of the Tiger Latin players in the nineties, and also Bobby Higginson. I was referencing a little bit about younger players and kind of looking at phenomenal, like even with Spencer Torkelson, players that come in young and impactful. And the Tigers really haven't had anybody below the age of what twenty two. I mean, if you in the last twenty years, you yeah. Well, let's see. I think Castellanos was probably twenty one when he made his debut because I think he came up in September, right? Uh, I don't remember what year was it, 2013, 2014? Yeah, must have been twenty thirteen. He came up in September. Does that sound right? That's I think that. uh, yeah, because he was on the 2014 team. Um, uh, yeah, before that, like you had, if we're talking really young guys, like Avila made it quickly, but he was a, a college player. But like Cameron Maben, I think, I think he was 20 when he came up to the Tigers back in 2006. Was it 2007? I don't remember what year that was. Um, came up. You remember he uh, hit a homer off Roger Clemens. That's right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean that's that's you're talking. I mean, and, but then again, that's like the last, unless I'm mistaken, that was the last position player that they took in the top ten with a top ten pick uh, before Riley Green. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, they they've had they had Mize was a top ten pick, and after after Maven, it was Miller, and then Jacob Turner was a top ten pick. Yeah, and, and yeah, Miller got called up. He got called that season in the Kansas City series when he first got drafted. Yeah, yeah he got called up uh, that year, right, 2006? That's right, yeah. That was in September. Yeah, I remember him starting – or yeah, he was in. The, he was playing that Kansas City series. I was trying to think about – I'm going back to – because I could easily go – if I start – like if I think about my senior, 99, so if I go back, I know Matt Wheatland never made it. I know Kenny Paul never made it. Was it Scott Moore or Nope? Kyle Sleeve, Verlander did not. He was. Yeah, Verlander didn't sign until late. super late. Yeah, like super there late. Was, so he didn't. He was he drafted two thousand three or two thousand four? That was two thousand four. Yep. 
2004 didn't play. Then 2005 was just a phenomenon. Uh, and then I think he made two starts for the Tigers in 2005 and double headers. Something like yeah, something and like that. For good in 2000. Well, here you know here's an interesting here's an interesting stat here, Chris. That we can tie into this before we move on to other observations. So. Chance Ruffin, Nick Cassianos, Jonathan Crawford, Derek Hill, Christian Stewart, Bo Burrows, and Matt Manning have been the first round draft picks. The you in the last in the last in terms of like the last day or within the last ten years. Okay, so Stewart took a couple years. Bo Burrows, same thing because those two, those two were first in the first round in 2015. They took a while. Derek Hill still hasn't made it. Jonathan Crawford was traded. And then, yeah, Chance Ruffin was traded shortly after, too. So that is, you're looking at almost a, what, Nick Castellanos, I'm trying to think of when he came up. But, so he was drafted in 2010. Let's do a yeah, quick. He came, he came up in September, I think, uh, or late August of 2013, I believe. And that was up for good in 2014. Okay, so, yeah, you're looking at a good part of, yeah, he made his debut September first, twenty thirteen, in the the forty man call up when he did made his debut. So you're looking at yeah, Cameron Mabin would have been the last position, excuse me, last positional player that was called up within within a year after they were drafted. That sounds about so. What, I mean, Mabin was drafted in, in two thousand five. He two thousand four. He was drafted two thousand five. Yeah, two thousand five draft because he yeah. was that. That, that awesome draft where, yeah, like McCutcheon and Bruce went right after him. Yeah, he was twenty when he, he made his debut. Yeah, he, he was twenty when he made his debut. So he was the last. Excuse me, I should rephrase what I said. He was the last positional player under the age of twenty that that made a debut for to the Tigers. And, and Riley Green definitely has yeah. the case to make, make make that happen. He definitely has a chance. Yeah, I mean, part of that was maybe you know the Tigers were contending and, and Maven was a stud, you know, obviously, but because I think. You know, he had a solid uh, first pro season at West Michigan, and then I think he he was in Lakeland doing well, and they called him to Erie, and I feel like he hit like four home runs in ten games, and then they just called him right up to Detroit, which was uh, kind of cool. But again, that was, you know, it, it may be that, that Green could come up next year and be okay, but it's one of those things where the, do the Tigers want to do that? Are they contending? Uh, does it make sense? But he seems like he has the talent, too, and, yeah, I mean, he's been super exciting to watch, but... I've been impressed with a lot of the young guys. Um, you mentioned Jake Rogers. I think he's he's looked pretty good. I think Willie Castro's looked pretty good. He's kind of a forgotten man. Um, I think he's he's put together some pretty good at bats and it looks decent in the field. And of course Torkelson. That's always fun to see Torkelson and Dingler. I think Dingler's looked has too. I mean, he hasn't been playing East at all. I guess they just don't want him to try to catch right now. But uh, yeah, he and he and Torkelson both look really comfortable. In the box, and we saw Torque get his first uh, hit tonight. He's kind—he's of, just got such good bat speed and uh, and balance at the plate. It's really nice to see. Yeah, I really—I wanted to talk about the bullpen battle too a little bit. Ronnie Gar- Ronnie, Ronnie Garcia looked pretty yeah. good. He's got his slider working pretty well, and you saw Chang who he started Chris, and I don't know whether they're gonna with Daniel Norris's situation right now with COVID, whether uh, that rotation spot's kind of up for grabs. But I mean Zimmerman. I know that it was funny when Chris Mikowski said, you know, he said uh, uh, to everybody to calm down in Spanish, Cantiro, por favor. And I was just like, uh, nah, I don't think people can calm down anymore about Jordan Zimmerman. But it's, in terms of even where is it putting Zimmerman on the rotation, which he probably end up going regardless. I mean, you would like to see him a game, a game, exhibition game against Cincinnati to see how he does against non Tiger pitchers or players, rather. But. It is. I will say, I between Tang pitching really well, Fulmer kind of struggled the other day, but I'm not really worried about it because he's still coming back, and it's going to take him a while before he can really adjust based off his surgery. But the one person that has struggled a lot, and I mean, he he struck out today against I think it was against Manning, I, I believe it was, it was some young pitcher. It was Dalma Lugo. Lugo has not looked good at all in camp. That's the only person that really, in terms of young, young players, just has yeah. not. Looked as footing at all. I mean, Kat, and I will say it is good to see uh, Candelario looking pretty good in camp. Uh, 
Yeah, no, he's, he's looks like solid. That's, I mean, I think Dabo Lugo, you know, there's some physical tools there. He's got bat-to-ball skills, but it's just not. But it doesn't look like Shock is one of the guys who gets removed from the 40-man roster to make room for someone like Chang. Or I don't know who's going to try to screw on there, but yeah, I, I mean, so I don't know. I, I I've been impressed by a lot of those guys. I mean, they, everybody's got sort of ups and downs, but uh, we saw yeah, Bo Burrows the other day. I didn't think looked very good. I, I, you know, I'm not an expert on this sort of thing. His fastball looked like it had some live velocity readings, but uh, but everything else is just kind of the the Bo Burrows we've seen for years now, where He'll throw three other pitches, but none of them are consistently average even. And sometimes they'll flash above average or even plus, but they just, you know, other times they'll be well below average. And it's like, man, that's that's tough to, to deal with. And, yeah, I mean, they talked about him ironing out his mechanics and stuff, but I don't know if that – I mean, the mechanics look the same they did a couple of years ago. I, I think they were talking – comparing that to what – training, he looked really bad. He had it run really rough quickly. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't even move to the bullpen. I could see a sixth, seventh inning roll there just basically with this fast pull, but he's going to need some work. Uh, and Funkhauser has actually looked pretty good. Uh, I think, you know, and control is just not good. And that's one of the things I think will be toughest. You, you keep saying, that, like, yeah, we got to see these guys against other teams. Definitely, when it's a command and control issue, because one thing we know about the Tigers, they like to swing. Yeah. They brought in <laughs> Jonathan's uh, scope. Look, eh, you know, I could take a pitch, but no. No, thank you. <laughs> um, you, you, could, you could argue that, like, Torkelson is the most patient uh, hitter in the lineup right now. I, I mean, uh, uh, good room, good patience, and uh, works counts, and Stewart does too, but, like, uh, it's mostly Uriel Castro's and Lugo's and everybody's up there. Slapper. Consistent that I remember. And it looked pretty solid here in the mid mid eighties. And his fastball was, I don't remember him. But I don't remember him really throwing a, his fastball with sink. When we, we saw it, uh, again, like, you know, I don't have, years of experience watching from behind home plate to see if the ball's moving, but uh, sure didn't seem to be moving in that game. I don't know uh, what you saw. Well, who are you talking about? You broke up there for a second. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, Funkhauser. Oh, Funkhauser, yeah. Remember, I don't remember him, his fastball, having a sink when we saw him. I don't remember throwing, like, you know, with, with arm side run and, and sink on it. I just, it felt like it was a straight pitch to me, so I don't, I don't know if that's because I couldn't, scout properly in person or if he's done some work in the offseason to get a little bit more movement but it that looked more effective for me too yeah well, no it did i mean I, you and i when we we're down in toledo we we observed that was something that you and i both commented on because we were behind home plate against that in the pawtaka game remember and you were saying that i know I, I recall the conversation because that was that was it the home run he gave up to bobby dolak that was just that just that bomb the left field that like that pitch just didn't didn't go anywhere. It was in, it didn't. It was just no movement. It was flat. His fastball was getting hit hard. But no, I in, in during spring training, I've noticed, or excuse me, summer camp, I have noticed a little bit of a difference. You're right, and I haven't watched enough to gauge an opinion. But there is something to be said because you looked at it last year. It's just everything like by the time second time around against the 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 Paw the, the Pawtucket rather. They were, they were timing things out once they squared up a little bit, some hard contact. But I haven't really seen any hard contact against Funkhauser in the limited time as I've seen him. Yeah, and it, it may just be the, the the fact that he is now uh, kind of officially a bullpen arm, I think. I mean, I haven't heard him talk about him continuing to start. But yeah, they're, 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 they made that decision in spring training with him and Burroughs. So was, that was like an organizational decision. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing that, uh, that Dan Dickerson mentioned tonight. And uh, I would feel like he would do something like this. He was he was expecting that we'll see piggyback starts uh, with Fulmer and Tyler Alexander, which actually makes kind of a, a decent amount of sense to me. You know, you've got a ideally a hard throwing righty, and then he back him up with a, a touch and feel uh, 
lefty whose cutter looked pretty damn good the other day. So um, I think that that might be one of the uh, rotation spots with the kind of be full, full Matt Alexander, Alex Fulmer, something like that. <laughs> I don't know how you want to do it, but uh, I bet I'd say it doesn't flow off the tongue like Norhagen. 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 Yeah, the, the Norhagen, the Viking of the North. But in that case, uh, no, but I thought Tyler Alexander yeah. looked good. That's another, that's a good good name to bring up, too. His cutter looked good. He had, a, when he threw a slider a couple times, and that was a plus pitch. But I, I you know, it, with Fulmer, too, like I said, I'm not, I'm not really worried about it, nor am I worried about Manning a little bit. It, 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 we Matt Manning did look a little flat this evening, but again, you know. Well, yeah, so that's. That's one, something I wanted to talk about. Uh, somebody mentioned it in the timeline, and it was something that I was concerned about, and it's, uh, it's a pseudo-bread from Dirk Peliquin. He said, it's so weird that whenever I see my pitch, I think, oh, he's ready, just needs to stay healthy, and I 100% agree with that. Uh, whereas Manning always looks like his stuff isn't quite there in these games. I wonder why that is. And I, I agree with him, uh, and we've talked about this a bunch, with whenever Manning comes up against uh, advanced hitting, he seems to struggle. And I think, um, I think it, it's just kind of, uh, his stuff isn't pedestrian, but it's a very, very basic, um, very basic, uh, what do you, well, arsenal, you know, it's a, it's a you know, kind of a 12, six curveball, and it's a changeup. And you love Matt Manning cause he's so athletic and he can throw hard, but the fastball isn't remarkable. Um, in terms of spin, you know, it's, it's a pretty low spin pitch we've seen and, uh, he gets ready on it. So it's going to have some good effect of velocity, but I, hitters don't seem to miss it. Like they, they'll fall off. It could be one of the, when Verlander was younger, we saw a lot of, uh, foul balls, you know, he, he would just, guys would just foul the hell out of the pitches. Now Verlander is eventually involved in having one of the highest spin fastballs in baseball, but, um, and I, I don't know if I should say of all, but yeah, I think Manning, I think he's going to command with his fastball because it's not really true to blow you away pitch unless he was just kind of gearing down. I mean, maybe he can live in the upper nineties in the future. Maybe that'll help, but, but sort of the 92 to 95 mile fastball is not really for him. And the curve is nice. But it's 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 the sort of thing. It's the kind of curve where um, when he's not throwing it, it just lands right in the plate a lot of times. And when he's he throwing hard, it becomes his hammer and it looks more effective. James just needs a lot of work. It's it's got decent velocity separation. It's I think usually around eighty-seven or so, but. I think, yeah, we, we see he still needs a lot of work, but I mean, the difference between him and, and Mize is kind of stuck. Mize has this just vast arsenal of pitches, this knowledge of how to move. It seemed too straight. Well, now he throws, he can make his fastball go just about every way. He's got the splitter, he's got like a traditional changeup, he's got a, a cutter, a slurve. Uh, he just seems to have everything, and he knows how to pitch, and so he, he can set hitters up and confuse them. You know, they can't really guess or sit on one pitch and, and react to another. So I think he's just much more polished and, and more ready than Manning is. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that we, we keep seeing Manning get touched up like this, but I do uh, think he'll, he'll eventually figure it out. Yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it. I am a little worried about Anthony Castro, who got touched up a little bit by scope and then a lot of hard hit balls tonight. And I, I'm a big Anthony Castro guy. Love his love his work. And it, when you go out there like that, I, I don't know what it is, just nerves or it's a mental thing. I I know I feel like he has the stuff, but he didn't look good this evening. Yeah, he's another one that, that just kind of confounds me with um when you see him on the right night and he's throwing mid nineties with a just a nasty obscene breaking ball, but other times tonight he was ninety, ninety two. I mean I, I'm basing it on the gun that was there, and I don't know how true that or how accurate that was, but it certainly, you know, wasn't fooling a lot of guys and the breaking ball hasn't been uh, really sharp for him. And it's, yeah, he got, he got bound by scope and then 
Torkelson got that super hard hit single, and I think he walked or he hit. Uh, Who did he hit? He hit Rogers. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that we he need, needs to continue. We know that the arm is good and there's good stuff in there. It just it's it's kind of frustrating to see it so inconsistent. Um, but I, I was really impressed with Ronnie Garcia tonight. He's, yeah. he's pitched I think three times. Um, and it, again, it's not like he's not. I think he touched 94, maybe 93, 94. He wasn't blowing anybody away, but hitters, it's like the opposite of Manning hitters just could not seem to square up his fastball today. Uh, maybe it was, you know, the time of day he was pitching or whatever, but in, in his slider, you know, 81 to 84, he ate up Miguel Cabrera with three of those. Like you think it's uh, through two of them in a row, got swings and misses, then threw a couple fastballs and came back to the slider and Cabrera swung right through it again. It was uh and you're doing that to Miggy, and I know he's not the same Miggy he once was, but you're doing that to him. I, I think that's that's a legit pitch. And uh, yeah, he was he was around the zone enough that uh, he looks like a legit bullpen piece to me. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's exciting. There's a, there's a lot of a lot of cool young players to watch, and it's fun to see. Um, I think we were we were talking the other day, like you know, we probably shouldn't be playing baseball, but boy, is it fun that they are, and we can talk about it and watch it. Yeah, especially seeing all the highlight plays and what have you, and it, it, that is good to see. And the one, the one last thing about the Tigers camp too, before we move on real quick and get out of here with them, some MLB news and what have you, is you look at another another player too that kind of gets lost. I don't want to say lost in the shuffle a little bit. We mentioned him briefly, but Nico Goodrum after a couple. Bad days at short. He seems like he's been hitting the ball really hard. He's been playing the the position well. And for the Tigers, and you talk about Willie Castro, too. You mentioned him earlier. I don't know, Chris. I, I feel like at some point, Willie Castro is going to have, perhaps, if he it does well against Cincinnati, if he gets some time against other teams, maybe he forces the issue a little bit. But you got to feel that with the outfield, kind of, the, I, I consider the outfield the biggest weakness right now in terms of depth, you have Jacoby Jones, who's banged up the merits banged up. So at some point, maybe you have to consider that Goodrum would have to go back out the outfield because they don't really, if you look at their depth, I mean, Bonifacio probably will probably more likely make the team because they just don't have anybody. So do you, I mean, do you, do you consider possibly putting Goodrum in the outfield? If the outfield continues not to heal up a little bit and put Castro at short, I mean, I think it's possible. Yeah, I, mean, I think you know they've they've got a lot of versatility in this sixty man group. Um, we've seen Brandon Dixon consistently playing left field. You know, Victor Reyes. I mean, you, you got Maven. We assume the 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 starting I guess four outfielders will be Jones, Stewart, Reyes, and Maven in some capacity. I think that's the the assumption. And, you know, Travis Demerit was going to have a chance to win a job, but he's been injured. But, yeah, I mean, they're a little banged up. But there's a reason Riley Green is, is playing so much. Uh, it's not just because he's playing well. It's because they don't really have the bodies out there. I mean, they could throw Paul Selly out there, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could I could see trying to make it work, and especially in a, a year where, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I could see Castro, uh, that is Willie Castro, playing – uh, shortstop with, with Goodrum back in the outfield. But I don't know. I think we'd sooner see Harold Castro in the outfield. Uh, and I suspect that they'll want Willie Castro to be the everyday shortstop in the Toledo. I guess, you know, the it's kind of funny to say that because they're going to have to have two teams. But uh, the primary shortstop, they're not down there in Toledo. But, yeah, who knows? I mean, it's going to be a very strange year, half the year quarter year, whatever. Yeah, whatever this decides to end up being. But stranger things have happened, and we look at, before we get out of here, Yasiel Puig signed with Atlanta, which came as, to me, a little bit of a surprise. They're talking about Baltimore being a destination, the Giants. I, personally, I wanted him in Detroit, but that wasn't going to happen because they weren't going to spend any money. But Puig to the Braves, Chris, I mean, did that, that cut you off guard a little bit? Uh, a little bit, although when Marquecas opted out, uh, I was, you know, like, okay, are they going to want to bring up Waters or Pache? And then Pache got hurt, and it was like, all right, well, they, I don't know if they're comfortable 
you throw an Austin Riley back out there in the outfield. So you got with Inciarte and Acuna, and I feel like I'm missing somebody. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think they they kind of needed a body, and he was probably the best available player out there. So they so they're not forced to play Waters, uh, who whose plate discipline is uh, of Harold Castro level. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's cool. I'm glad to see him back in baseball. He's a fun player to watch. Yeah, I don't and understand. I'd like to the... see teams that are just like, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, especially Atlanta can make some noise in a quick season, especially how young they are, too. They could get off to a hot start, yeah. but it's, it, it is, it to me, I ultimately, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. I forgot about the, I'll be honest with you, I forgot about the Marcakis angle, too. But, yeah, I mean, it's a good move, and it gives him another another bat out there. But also defensively, can't go wrong with uh, – they have a pretty good defensive outfield now with that. Yeah, I mean, I think Acuna is better in the corner than he is in the center. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all, all three of those guys could probably – I mean, Enciarte is a, a gold glover, I think. And, uh, yeah, can and so does Acuna to catch a lot of balls out there. I don't think Mike Soroka gives up a ton of fly balls, but he'll be happy that they're out there. Um, yeah, I mean, Atlanta, I'm trying to think, did, did they add any big bats this year? It's kind of, it's, I feel like, it was so long ago. Yeah. They added somebody. I feel like, no, I feel like Atlanta did something um, in terms of free agent signings. I'm trying to think if they, I, I feel like they signed a pitcher, but I'm, I'm trying to go back and, Look out here. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, we have to have to look at the Atlanta roster. This is good good listening for people. No, no, no. Show prep on the fly. No, I was going to talk about the – I mean, they haven't really signed too many big – I'm trying to think of like – man, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden now. So I was reading a story about that former Yankee pitcher, Sergio, the, the gentleman who killed his stepdaughter, uh, Sergio – Oh, what's his name? Oh my God, I did not see that. Oh yeah, uh, Sergio Mar- uh, Murte, the former Yankee reliever. Yeah, got some pretty much a piece of crap. Essentially, there we go. But, Sergio Murte. Murte. Yeah, and that's no, not, um, <laughs> that's not a good thing. You no, know, you know what? I, I, I didn't look like they actually signed anybody. So okay, I thought they I thought they signed somebody. Maybe I'm. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the White Sox signed Dallas. K, uh, Keigel, yeah. yeah, who was with the Yankees, and so no, they they didn't really, yeah, they have Puig in camp. I'm trying to, oh, that's it. No, they, they didn't sign anybody. Darren O'Day was there from before. Large, yeah, they didn't really, yeah, that was it. Okay, so yeah, that's a, that's a good move for, for Atlanta. And then we mentioned earlier at the top of the podcast that Godley will now have a chance to start for the Red Sox. It's how depleted their rotation is. And the other part of the story, the other news too, is to see it was, it, oh, by the way, it was interesting to see Mets, uh, the Mets with the Sepetis in camp. It feels like it's, feels like it's been forever since we've seen him in camp, dude. Well, yeah, he missed all last year, right? After yeah. the uh, wild boar incident. Yeah. Trying to, uh, trying to step well, in whole holes, trying to escape wild boars or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Not to mention <laughs> the uh, the Brian Buxton. You know, it's funny. We've been talking about Brian Buxton for three years. He's in his fantasy team. He left the mm-hmm. game with an ankle injury, but he's no longer on your team, Chris, as I found out. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's so talented and always injured. It sucks. That's you see, Sometimes it seems like we see those guys, especially in, like, center field, just they play so hard and they're always getting hurt, and then just kind of their career falls apart. But we didn't. Uh, the one thing I don't think we we got that question about Casey Mize. Yeah, let's go ahead and th- yeah, take care of that question. Um, so who is this? This is from JP. I heard it's possible the Tigers activate Mize seven days into season, knowing how this org operates. Why wouldn't they wait a month into the 2021 season? Wouldn't they gain an additional year of control? Help me understand the service time situation with the shortened season. Um, so yeah, he's right that they they. By doing it seven days into this season, you're basically doing what you would do a month into next year. It's you're, you're getting an extra year of service time. Um, so they would have them for 
2020 and then through what, 2025, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. That happened through 2026. Um, so they could, they could wait until a month into the season next year. But as we talked about earlier, he, he's, he's ready. I think, I mean, he sure looks ready and very few pitchers come up and, and are really good at the major league level immediately. So he may be the guy who you, you count on to, you bring him up a little bit this year. You don't, you don't do it. So you spend a whole full year of service time on this uh, nonsense year, of course. But you bring him up a little bit later in this year, and you give him some starts against major league uh, at bat or batters, just to get his uh, his feet wet, so he has a better idea of what to expect next year. And then you plug him right into the rotation next year, or sometime early next year, because he's going to be a guy they're going to be counting on, I think, in the near future. So I don't know. I mean, like I I tend to agree. Like, just try to wait <laughs> from a business perspective. But it may behoove them to try to get him ready for major league pitching sooner because he's a pitcher and you never know when their, their arms going to go up. So I don't know. That's, that's what I think that the service time this year is basically, I think what they said, uh, if the season gets canceled, you get the same amount of service time you got the year before, um, which won't apply to my obviously. Uh, and then, you know, if it's shortened any certain amount, you get, you get a prorated, amount of service time. So that's the thing. If Mice comes up six, six games in and ends up up for what? 53 games. Then he gets, I don't know whatever percentage that is. 53 out of 60. sounds like 90 something, but I'm no mathy, but uh, yeah, I think otherwise it's, it's going to work like any other season in terms of the, the prorated service time. I don't know if that answers JP's question, but well, I think we're going to see him. You look at sometimes you have to read between the tea leaves and you always see st- stuff that's put out there with Ron Garhart saying, oh, I, I wish we could can't wait to have him out there. I'm paraphrasing, but I saw a, a story on Tigers.com about it. So if you look at the rotation wise, I mean, you know, what I mean? by the way, I just it just haunted me. I didn't you know, I haven't seen in, in camp at all. Dario Azaga. Have we seen him pitch? Uh- I don't know if Eggers all has pitched or not. He's I know he's in camp. I, I just I guess it's one of those things you know, we've seen like I've I've seen the people all the people who pitched today, Funkhauser and Boyd and Manning and Garcia and Farmer, uh and Castro, I've seen them all twice. So it might just be one of those things where we've just kinda missed a whole group of pitchers who haven't uh who not thrown like um who haven't we seen? I, I I don't know if I saw Turnbull pitch or not. I think I did. Nova, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's in there. I just haven't heard much from him. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I just thought about it because I was thinking about starters and, and I was thinking because he was pitching well in spring and then I have not seen him. I would think that we see him start at one point at all in, in the summer camp and I haven't start, seen him. So maybe that could give credit for, for some credence that perhaps we'll see Mize at some point soon. So the season starts next week, Chris, and that bring that also brings back the fact that for the first time, well, since September? No, since October, we'll bring back the good, bad, the ugly, and inside the numbers. That's oh. actually right around the corner. It's been strange that we have not been able to, to do that. But, uh, yeah, next week, next week will be baseball. I, I seriously think I still, I'm still skeptical. I'm not going to lie. I'm still pessimistic about it. But it's inching closer despite everything that's going on. You saw Matt Boyd also. Had, there's, he had a scare today, too, where he was in contact with somebody when he was trying to help somebody out with COVID-19 and – Oh jeez. Yeah. It's crazy stuff, but Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like uh of all the sports, it seems like baseball is the one that could pull it off. And we we've been talking about that forever. Uh I still don't know how the hell they're gonna play football and you know, basketball and hockey are right up next to each other and sweating and gross. Uh but I think any sport, once there's an outbreak in a clubhouse, that's what we're gonna we're gonna see. And it's gonna happen, I think, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I think uh, there's already been a bunch of people. <laughs> NBA has that, like, the hotline. You can call in tips of people violating protocol. <laughs> You're getting all sorts of snitchy phone calls from people. There so. was some, there was an NBA player who wanted carry out really bad. There was J.R. JR Smith was complaining about the food. Yeah. You know, I know that we have uh, our own James Chipman, who's down in Orlando for his day job. He's interacting with working that. In, so. 
working in like a hundred degree heat with a thousand percent humidity with a mask on. Two masks. Work. Yeah, yeah. He's doing. He's got the. He's got the face shield. Yeah, he's got the face shield mask, and then he's got the other mask. So shout out to James Chibben for working in that disgusting yeah. weather. And we got some big stuff on the way for the website. Speaking of which, before we get out of here, a one year. We want to say happy anniversary. Friday will be a one-year anniversary of the Tiger Mining League Report, celebrating a year. We have, can't thank you enough for everybody who's followed the page uh, or, or, or website. I mean, we're looking at right now, let's see, 1,900 or, yeah, just over 1,900 followers. Our Facebook page could do some work, I'm not going to lie, but it's it's growing. People are liking our page all the time. People are enjoying the content, and we really appreciate you coming out and checking us out, retweeting our stuff. We've got some more video to come to, and hopefully by the end of the week, Chris will be all settled in Motor City Bengals, which I think you will be. So, yep, it's all up to the tax documentation now. Yeah, so once the tax documentation gets through, then yeah, we'll be good to go. But yeah, there's some good stuff on the horizon, and we got some other stuff cooking that we're not going to say anything about at the moment. But uh, nevertheless, I am pumped. And again, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope that we entertained you and that we had enough personality to make that happen. So, uh, and we did not read off fan graphs this evening. So there you go. Or baseball reference, whatever the case may be. But uh, any last things, Chris, before we get out of here? This is actually one of our quickest shows this evening. Uh, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's been, it's been fun watching baseball and fun talking baseball. And, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's going to keep going. Yeah, so we'll be back next week, probably to do a probably a season preview. So next Wednesday yeah. or Thursday, we'll be doing a season preview. We're just getting back in the swing of things a little bit. And just a quick plug: if you haven't not checked out, if you haven't checked out the two part podcast with Cody from the Athletic and Brandon Day and our friend of the show Mark Urosh, check that out. That's over at BlessYouBoys.com. They did a really good job. I just finished listening to it today. The, the boys did a really good saying the same thing yeah. over, but I mean, for lack of adjectives right now, because it's almost 1130. I'm exhausted. I'm not going to lie, but that they did a really good job of knocking it out of the park. So check that out. Want to plug them and go to our website, Tiger Yeah. Cody, Cody's been killing it over at the uh, athletic. Oh yeah, dude. He, that article he did on uh, Jose uh, Cicinero, who's also at a good camp. Along with Nolan Blackwood, real quick, those two guys have done a really good job. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cody's been killing it. Really, he's been doing a really good job over there. And uh, kudos to him. Tip of the cap, as well. And yeah, until next week. Have a good week, everybody.